one. We're live. We are here. Hello, Facebook Live. Our first Sunday show. We did it. Let me take my glasses off because the freaking glare is just, it just bounces off everything. All righty. Hello. How is everyone? I'm good. Hanging in there. Tasha's under the weather. Yeah, migraine season for me. You just get them, yeah, you said you get them like on weather or seasonal changes? Seasonal changes or when the weather it gets like, there's like an extreme shift in the weather. So it's been really, really warm and now it's really, really cool. Just like all of a sudden. So oh, it's, it's been the opposite hit. here. Yeah, it's still really, really hot down here. <laughs> and by really, really cool, I mean 75. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, we had, it's uh, August. We had 70s and, and not much humidity for the last, I don't know, week and a half. And today it's pretty muggy here. So. Fair. <clears throat> all right. Well, I had all of my tabs pulled up on things, but uh, I just wanted, I don't know if either of you guys saw this, the James Bond, uh, either producer or director, uh, had to step down was asked to leave or yeah was asked to step down uh because he was trying to make or incorporate the James Bond film with the uh incorporate it with like the me too movement uh everything you know super social justice warriory James Bond yeah Danny Boyle wasn't trusted with lucrative 007 franchise out of fears that he'd turn James Bond into a Me Too socialist spy. And that's on the Daily Mail. Wow. What would be the purpose of turning him into a socialist spy? Well, because everything, everything's about virtue signaling now. It's not like about yeah. entertaining. It's about, you know, making sure everyone agrees with you politically and incorporating right. culture. I don't think but most... Like what 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 kind of like what's that spy gonna do though? He's gonna Is he gonna infiltrate radical feminist circles and out all the turfs? <laughs> or like what? What are they gonna do? There's no secrets they're gonna trade. I mean, I know, it's like I, I read a funny comment that was like, you know, they should make a James Bond movie about a uh, billionaire um, Eastern European guy who funds uh, media organizations around the world and name him Jorge Boros. <laughs> That's good. I, thought, I, mean, I, I, I guess the problem is, is that I feel like most uh, leftist millennials don't really want to watch anything that isn't signaling to their virtues. But they don't make money. So they don't want to watch them. They want to, like, talk about them. It's the same thing with, like, just articles. Nobody wants to read the articles. They just want to read the headline and then be like, all right, yeah, you know. Right. Man saves cat. And it's just, yeah, all right. Don't need to read that. I, I got it. Got it all from the title. I, I, to I totally know what happened. He saved the cat. It says so right there in the headline. Right. Yeah. Uh, I remember when you used to be, like, when you were learning, I don't know, maybe – this is just me. Uh, learning about journalism in college, okay? Journalistic writing. You had your headline, which was just like short blurb about what the whole is about, your byline, and then within the first paragraph, you had to give a summary. But now everything seems to be summarized in the headline mm. and inaccurately. So I was about to say, it's not like it's summarized in the headline. It's, you know, you get some sort of sensational thing to get people to click on it or not even click on it just engage with it especially just with social media and you think oh you know you read the headline oh i've got the whole thing or even if i don't have the whole thing like i can pretty much infer what this article is about as opposed to actually right. reading the article right and then doing any follow-up you know following any links or letting your own curiosity take you to google to look at other sources on the topic or whatever nobody does that or if you do, anyway. It, well, it's, there's so many articles out there. I got to comment on all of them. I can't take time away from my virtue signaling and 
everything like that just to just to read something that sounds absolutely ridiculous right i think you have to enjoy reading or have a thirst for the knowledge to really everything is so clickbaity anyway these mm -hmm. days oh yeah that's the name of the game everyone's competing for eyeballs it's like the internet is social media is like television you know you're trying to put together the most interesting content to get people to click on it and interact with your post compared to somebody else's because then you get them advertising dollars right it's all about page views yeah but sometimes those those sensationalized headlines make me not want to read it i'll be honest yeah but you're not the you know how you know how many boomers click on things because it agrees with them that's fair <laughs> i am not a boomer it's all about the boomers man is my generation. I think I'm. We've had oh, this. I'm, Are you X or Y? You're, you're. I think that you're the same age as me, Chris. By only a few months difference. Yeah. I we're we're like the tail end of X. That's what okay. I've always read, and now they're decided to try to change terms because people don't like millennials. So. Right. Nobody so wants to be called a millennial, so they need to change it all, so <laughs> which is par for course for this. <laughs> no. So who's generation Y? I think Generation Y is that half generation between us and like, well, like Garrett. Garrett, I think. Well, you're sure, like, you're mid 20s, right? Yeah, Garrett? I'm. I'm in the middle of the millennial. Right. So you, he's group. like Y slash millennial. Okay. You know. If you were born in the 90s, you're a millennial. Right. And we weren't. We were born in the 80s. Right. Correct. So we're we're X. We're Xers. Damn near boomers. Okay. I, I always thought that <laughs> I always thought we were the beginning of Y. But you know, either way, it doesn't really matter. No. Semantics. But yeah, I just right. I thought that, that was a funny I I had just seen that headline earlier today and I was like, What what in the world? Why why would a director do that? Just make a blockbuster, man. Make things crash. Have James Bond go in and kill a bunch of people. And Isn't, uh, Michael B. Jordan playing James Bond now? Is he? I didn't hear. Yeah. Well, let me see. Now I got. Now I got to look that up. I thought it was going to be Idris Elba. Is it? Maybe it's. I don't. I mean, sure either way, I'd watch that. I'm not a big James Bond Bond fan, but I would watch that one. Yeah, I've never. I've never so really good. been into the James Bond. I was more of an Indiana Jones kind of guy. Temple of Doom was, was my stuff. Temple of Doom was your favorite one? Oh, yeah. The first and the third are a million times better than Temple of Doom. Temple of Well, yeah, because Temple of Doom's like, it's nothing to do with, you know, archaeology or anything like that. It's a bunch of devil worshiping. I was like five or six when it came out. You know what I mean? Like, that was, that was my stuff. I don't even know if I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. I did like Short Round. What? You've never seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? I don't think so. And the third one, wait, the third one, Sean Connery plays his dad, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the Last Crusade? Yes, okay, I've seen that. Yeah. I was probably a tween when that came out. And then they ruined it by making the, the new one with Shia LaBeouf. I think I saw one. I there's a seen few. That. I wasted a few of them? I wasted money by... Spending it at the theater to go see that, yeah. Go watch Indiana Jones survive a nuclear bomb by hiding in a refrigerator. Was it MacGyver? I man, it was just like how how much reality do I have to suspend to believe that? Right. You know, there's biblical context in the other ones, and then this one. Okay, if you hide in a refrigerator, you can survive a nuclear bomb. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure I saw that on MacGyver, though. No joke. So. Oh really? I think so. That's why. That's why I said that because that, that. I swear I've seen that. I used to love that show, and then they ruined that by making a remake of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. What are we even talking about? I know. So now we can start talking about the real things. Uh, <laughs> Tasha had said front holes and taxes. Front holes and taxes. But I want to jump into this because I just hit the Google button. Uh, Saudis move to behead female activists as Facebook censors anti-Saudi con content. So, Tasha, you had shared a uh, 
an article, that same article probably, and it was removed? No, the article I shared was actually just about the Saudi woman who was being publicly beheaded. Oh. And Facebook took it down. So it was just that one. And I, you know, I posted it as I called to, okay, where are the Western feminists on this one? You know, I, I, I see right-wing women in my feed sharing this, but I don't see any feminists in my feed sharing it. So that's kind of what my, my call out was, was, hey, what's the problem? If feminism is liberation for all women worldwide, why aren't you talking about it? And that got removed and now- Well, maybe they were sharing it. No, they weren't. I mean, like I'm tapped in pretty much, you know, to, to all these radical feminists still, quite a lot of them anyway. Some of them have just written me off wholesale because they can't think outside the scope at all. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't see anyone who is even close to left-leaning sharing it. And it's, it really bugs me when these kind of stories come out and we don't see anything about it, you know? <clears throat> we don't see anything about the immigrant rape crisis that's happening in Europe, in Sweden and in Germany. You know, we don't see anything about that. We don't so, see anything about this Saudi woman. We don't see anything about the, um, my stealthy freedom. Every now and again, I see a leftist woman I'm posting something about my selfie freedom where women in Iran are taking off their hijab and going in public without a covering on. Mm. Um, you know, I don't, I, I see them using um, oppression of women worldwide as a talking point only when talking about the trans argument. And yeah. You know, they're, Wait. they're like, okay, well, women in Saudi Arabia can't just identify out of their oppression, you know, or Babies in China can't just identify out of being aborted if they're a girl, you know, that kind of tokenism of, of non-Western countries and women who are oppressed within them. So it's basically, uh, okay, so the reason that Facebook took it down, and this is a question, not a statement, the reason Facebook took it down is because it's, it's anti-Saudi? That's what, that's what this article is is saying, and I, I've only gotten a glance over it, just a cursory glance before the show. Um, and it, it's, they're censoring anti-Saudi information that's being posted yes. on the internet. Um, you know, even- so is, okay. is, is, is that why the feminists don't, don't, don't want to talk about it? Is that why left-leaning feminists aren't sharing this kind of stuff? No, I think left-leaning feminists aren't sharing it because they don't actually give a shit. Okay, Honestly. do you want me to read the article, uh, Chris, just like the, the beginning of it, just to give you an idea of what's happened and what this woman did? The, uh, I, yeah, okay. the heinous crimes? More so for everyone else. I haven't read it either. Saudi prosecutors are seeking the death penalty for a 29-year-old woman activist for crimes such as chanting slogans at a protest. <laughs> Beheading a woman is unprecedented inside the kingdom. Meanwhile, Facebook has sprung into action to protect Riyadh's back by initiating a crackdown on hundreds of accounts posting anti-Saudi content. What? And they're chopping her head off, by the way. That's like the... Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely. the punishment. Yeah, it's not like lethal injection. It's a... That's wild. But I think, I think, yeah, it says here, Facebook has coincidentally anti-Saudi accounts under the guise of fighting Iranian interference. That's just confusing to me. It's crazy to me because both countries harm women in grievous ways. So, you know, how this is Iranian influence or interference rather, yeah, I don't understand. Like, what is and interference? What, yeah, what is the interference? Is it because their sins are being laid bare? You know, I mean, we're right. seeing Iran's sins laid bare too. So what's like, what's Saudi Arabia's problem? Like uh, <laughs> people are talking about the things you're doing wrong to women. Who cares whose interference it is, Facebook? Well, okay. so. It said that she and four other activists faced charges such as chanting slogans, attempting to inflame public opinion, and providing moral support to protesters. What in the world? Talk about some tolerance right yeah. there. God. She's going to get her head cut off. 
Yeah, and she's going to be the first woman ever to have her head cut off. Inside, inside of the kingdom. Inside of the kingdom. Tell me, if she, if she identifies as a man, Ben, will her charges be dropped? Oh. No, because they don't care about that. They don't. See. No, they don't care about that. That's what my point is. They don't give a crap about that. They, because they know that women are women and men are men. And these women are not privileged enough to identify out of the things that are oppressing and killing them. Like, this is where feminism needs to act. And, and I'm right. getting enraged right now talking about it. This is where feminism needs to act. And feminists in the West stay silent. They bitch about things that are fake, like the wage gap, and mm -hmm. bitch about things that are actually anti-woman, like abortion. And they bitch about things that, you know, they beg men for stuff, which is not feminist action to beg men for your bodily autonomy and your right to think. And halfway across the world, women are dying for protesting to just be seen as human beings. Right. right. No, you're absolutely right. And it enrages me. It is, we live in such a freaking bubble in yes. the West in terms of all of these privileged people on all of these different social justice fronts complaining about things that aren't real. And we have people on the outside of the world who are dying just to exist as human beings. And it makes me so angry. And I, I can't pinpoint what the, what the fault is of the West that this is happening, but it's happening. They're, and they're, they're too stuck in their, own, in their own dome of existence. That's really what right. it is. They can't, they can't see past their nose. Right. Yeah, it's like... If the issue doesn't affect them personally, then they don't really care about the issue. It's like, well, I don't have to worry about, you know, going out and protesting and, you know, facing criminal charges or anything like that. Like, so everything is looked at. And we talked about this last show. Everything is looked at with a Western lens, you know, yeah. like, oh, this, this is how it goes. You know, this is how it works here. So clearly that's probably how it works, you know, throughout the rest of the world. But obviously that's not the case. There's such a jaded, or not jaded, a, such a warped um, sense of what individualism is on the yes. left compared to yes. the right. Like they both encompass individualism, but in very, very different ways. And then the left will bark about being an individual and being free and this, that, and the other thing, but then they'll want everything to be collectivist and groupthink. And I don't understand how individualism and groupthink go together. They don't. Like, they, that's, that's exactly what's going on. So many people in the liberal community right now are just subscribing to hive mindset. And at the same time, they you know, I saw this before. I grew up in the punk rock scene. And um, at least in the 90s, I'm sure before that it was actually a thing. But, but in the 90s, it was kids who had chain wallets and spiky blue or green hair. And like we... I, I don't even say we because I actually was like the outcast of the outcast. And you wore leather boots. I, I some of them did, yes. Doc Martens, the chicks, all the chicks Doc wore Doc Martens. Yep. Um, you know, like the colored ones, like the whatever, like purple or green ones. And but it, it's like they all thought that they were showing their individuality by dressing like all their friends. And that's exactly what's happening in, in the liberal community now, is everyone thinks, wow, I'm showing how much of an individual I am now by thinking exactly the same way everyone I know thinks. And that doesn't make any goddamn sense, people. Like, nope, it doesn't. And they think we're the oppressive ones. We're not the oppressive ones. Like, oh, you're just, you know, you're, you're following the patriarchy. No, we're the ones thinking for ourselves. We're the ones realizing that even though certain things are bad, it's even worse to skew reality. Reality is reality. What's happening is what's happening. Right. You know, and even though there might be some problems with it, like I'm not going to lie and say that I think capital uh, capitalism is perfect. It's not. Right. But but it's better than any other option I've heard of. Yeah. Whenever anybody brings up capitalism, I say you are mistaking cronyism with the free market, and they are not the same thing mm -hmm. at all. What you are thinking is crony corporatism. And that's not the same thing that we're talking about here when we're talking about entrepreneurial spirits of the everyday guy 
going to go make their hang their shingle and make their money you know mm -hmm. it's not the same thing but they they want to blame even that small entrepreneur for the ills of capitalism when that guy has or that woman or whoever they have nothing to do with it you know there's um there's a thing i posted on my own page today and i'll post it on on our page too but it's really great it's um from stanford it's the theory of group think applied to Nanking and um, there are it lists in here it's very comprehensive it's really great read and I'll just I'm not going to read the whole thing uh, each paragraph of it but I'll go over the quick bullet points because this group think thing is so incredible it's such incredible psychology to me and that's what that's what is makes all of this um, something I always want to talk about because the psychology behind people all parroting the same thing Mm -hmm. with no real intellectual basis behind it or no real individual thought behind it is so fascinating. But it, um, it's eight identifiable symptoms that occur in groups uh, in which there is the presence of groupthink. Um, let me see here. Uh, some of them is uh, the, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, hang on a second, I'm losing my spot here because of ocular pressure from a migrate. Um, invulnerability, members of a group in which no one voices their disagreement may have perception that, that their group is performing well, so the group isn't vulnerable to attack because nobody's dissenting. Um, the illusion of morality, if enough people are saying the same thing, this must be the moral thing to do. Um, the perceptions of the out group are another symptom so I'm right in your Hitler you know so that's 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 that concept um, uh, decision-making defective decision-making strategies arise out of groupthink so um, decisions reached in groupthink situations are usually incorrect ones but because there's that infallibility concept of the group that what they're doing is moral and nobody else in the group is questioning it they don't recognize that the decision-making is wrong or off um, and so it can't be tweaked because if you mm. try to tweak it and you try to talk you get reduced down into that that um, that what is that psychological term that is it the cone of silence or whatever where you're just like shamed into not saying anything about it mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um, I'll post this on the page because the whole thing is really worth the read for anybody who is watching and just anybody in general it's so incredible um, and the way that social media, in case in the case of this Saudi thing, the way that social, or in reference to the Saudi thing, the way that social media interacts with regard to this groupthink and how groupthink is played out has just exploded in the last 10 years. And we were talking about that earlier, or yesterday, I think it was, about whether or not this social media control of society was organic or planned. And and of course, I think we three came to different conclusions on that, but it's just amazing how it has really, they've really kind of meshed together group think, these groupthink principles and oh, social media to control society. Well, see, I, I know that I, I, I'm quick to jump uh, to illuminate a conspiracy theory or a possible conspiracy theory, but that doesn't mean that I automatically believe it. I am genuinely asking, you know, what right. people think and trying to get to an ultimate truth. But, but yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I, I jump to them pretty quickly because I, I want to investigate it. You know what I mean? I want mm -hmm. to put some thought into it and try to figure it out because I think it makes it worse. If this is all planned. I think that that's worse than if this is just happening organically. Right. I mean, look at, I mean, this can easily be a calculated, Thing, this Saudi story, this can easily be a calculated thing to turn the public's focus off of the atrocities being committed in Saudi Arabia for what is the political reason in that effort, and then turn them on to Iran, who, for all I know, other than the, the atrocities they're committing against women right now, they're not really doing anything. Other than the atrocities they're committing against women. Aside from that, they're totally cool. No, no, no. Like that's within their own country. They're not impacting anybody else right now. Right. You know. 
so what is why what is the benefit of taking focus off of Saudi Arabia and putting it on Iran? What are we trying to conceal over here when right. these guys? Yes, they are harming women, but they're not doing anything else to anybody else worldwide. So what's the purpose of putting the focus? You know, I would just I would just like to know what the thought behind Iranian interference is. Like, what are we afraid Iran is doing? Trying to make Saudi Arabia look worse to the rest it, of the world? It has to do. Right. Yeah, I, Iran's like Israel's number one enemy. So that's. But. That's why we hate them, supposedly. But I don't think the I don't think Iran cares what America thinks of Saudi Arabia. For sure. No, I agree with that. I, you know, just going back to the topic of groupthink and collectivism, because I could. That's like one of my favorite subjects to talk about is the idea of collectivism and uh, versus individualism. It's. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to think that they're an individual. People want to think that what they're doing is very individualistic and, you know, creative. But it's always something that everyone else has approved of. You know what I mean? Like, just in regards to social media, no one ever, I say no one, very few people post things that are outside of what everyone else is already doing. You know, there's no genuine risk taking and that's what being an individual is like it is taking risk it is doing something that isn't the norm as opposed to you know taking pictures of food and posting it and right. you know thinking that you have such a a different experience than someone else you know it's right. that i would be interested i'm really interested in reading this article just because just for that reason i want to see like why people do what they do why they have to make sure the herd is okay with what they're doing before they go ahead and do it and why there is this genuine this seemingly genuine fear of speaking out and having a disagreement is it because you know they're going to they're afraid they're going to get ostracized from the group is it you know they like their their core group of friends and you know followers and they don't want to piss them off at the you know, the slightest wrong thing being said. I mean, it feels like you're walking on eggshells at that point all the time. I don't think that's a very fun existence. It isn't. Take it from me. Yeah, you know, no, it's not. I'm not I'm not a super conservative person, but I'm definitely much more conservative than most of the people that I consider friends. Well conservative now is like counterculture. It's not it's not conservative anymore. It is You're right. You're right. Fair enough. You know what I mean? Whereas before you know things have changed so much and they're being forced to change so much, like specifically language, you know, front holes, you know, people don't want like textbooks, And that's the thing. Textbooks are being changed and uh, educational, educational resources are being changed because penis and vagina offend people. Scientific words oh. offend people. Why can't we go back to, why can't we go back to if it offends you, that's a you problem, get over it. Or I don't know what to tell you. Because why can't, we go back to, why can't the truth be the truth again? Because it, like I was saying, like I was saying before, people don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers, and as opposed to just saying, "Hey, you're wrong," and having a disagreement and talking it out, we just have to go along. We have to play along with these fantasies and these larpers, and right. Yeah. And but truth interferes with political agendas. Was that truth interferes with political agendas? Well, oh well. <laughs> When, when did we cross this line, though, when, like, we can't tell the truth anymore? Oh, the truth offends people. Oh, people being offended is more important than reality. When did we cross that line? Because I missed it. I just realized I was there one day. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It, and that's frightening as hell to me. I, I just can't. I can't. It doesn't. I can't wrap my mind around I mean, it. I can't understand it. I mean, you heard, you know, the quote. Everyone knows the quote. You can't handle the truth. So it's. Right. I mean. You know what? That movie, that was A Few Good Men, right? That was, I don't even know when that movie came out. Early 90s. But that's what I'm saying. Like, even then, sentiments like that were being said because, you know, people didn't want to hear the truth. People didn't want to hear honest opinion. They wanted others to reinforce what they think is the truth. 
1992. Thank you. When that came out. Thank you. So yeah, we've been slowly falling into that for quite a while. Right, but even uh, yeah, I even, think it happened even before then. Yeah, Charles. Sure. You know? I was just gonna say that. Yep. And I mean, I was just a little kid in the '80s, so we, you know, it's not like I would have noticed anything about it. But um, being an educated adult and looking at the timeline of history, I would honestly say that it happened. Um, you know, in, in the 60s, right around the same time as Vatican II happened, I think, honestly. That's, that's my position on it. Um, because we had this very, you know, we've talked about this too, about the upcoming generation becoming the most mm -hmm. conservative generation since the 50s. We had a very conservative country in the 50s. We were anti-communism. And there, was a, there, there, were, there were literal witch hunts about the Communist Party in the United States. But looking back on it, it was kind of real, like, and knowing what I know about the Catholic Church too, it was real. Like mm -hmm. there were, there was some serious communist inf infiltration in the United States back then, and that's about the same time that relativism and postmodernism really hit academia, and that's where everything started to change. The church started changing, overall society started changing, the hippie movement spring out you know all of this and, and all of the the wars that were happening within you know that whole time frame we had what if, i'm probably screwing up dates on the korean war but um and we had vietnam and we had all of these um foreign altercations during that time there was sexual liberation that, yep sex the sexual revolution like birth control happened and now oh now we can just have sex, you know, <laughs> and nobody has to take responsibility for it. That's not real, you know. All of these things that happened that caused so many different facets of human interact interaction to be not real or not based in reality, I think it all started right around that same time in all spheres of public life in the West. But I think, I mean, I, I know for sure that it is worse now than it was even when we were teenagers, though. Oh, 100%. I agree. Because when we were teenagers, reality was still reality. You know what I mean? Like, the bottom line was still the bottom line. Nowadays, mm -hmm. it's not. Nowadays, right. the bottom line is oppressive. Right. And that's, yeah. Now the bottom line is we're coercively assigned male or female at birth. Yeah, assigned. It, so it's coercion. Yeah, assigned. I like, I like reading that because that is in a lot of literature now. It's like people's identity doesn't match up with the gender that they were assigned or the biological sex they were assigned at birth. It's like, you're not assigned, like no one forced you to be that gen That's just what you are. That's just, that's just how it happened. Like no one forced me, no one assigned that I'd be blonde. You know, I just, I am. That's just the reality of it. Well, that's cool. Yeah. But you could change your hair. Color. Right. Well, you know, you know, you can. I can dye it. No, because I can dye it, but it's just like it's. Right. You know. It's a mask. Right. Exactly. You know. I wear makeup. My skin is actually green underneath all of this. Right. You're funny. Because you're a reptile or an alien? What are you saying? I'll just let you guess. Just slightly, just going back really quick on the McCarthyism, and you know, you said like the communist witch hunts. The, isn't it, isn't it funny how looking back, just reading through history, how there was so much pushback on McCarthyism and the notion that, oh, you know, this is ridiculous what he's doing to all these performers and, you know, things like that. You know, there's no communists here in the U.S. and every once in a while they would stumble on, you know, some communist leader. Whereas now it's, I feel like it's hard to find someone who's not a communist or not, you know, pushing this socialist agenda in Hollywood. Yeah. Well, it's very much pretending to be because how many of these people are giving up more. Right. And how many we've said, we've said this before. I feel like we'd say, uh, you know, repeat a lot of the same things, but how many of these people are giving more than their bare minimum of required in taxes? Like how many people that are virtue signaling that, Oh, you know, the rich should pay their, their share and, how many of those people in Hollywood are writing bigger checks than what the government's asking for? Right. You know what I mean? 
there's that, that gubernatorial candidate in Vermont who's trans. And he's like, I don't, can't define socialism. Like he was asked, he's running on a socialism yeah. platform. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I can't define it. Or Anastasio, uh, Ocasio Cortez. Yeah, she can't define it. Like these people who are supposed to be these paragons of what it means to be a socialist can't even define it. And they can but never they even give a working definition or an example of a country where it's working without blaming the United States for that country's failures to be communist or socialist. Um, but they can define words like racism incorrectly. So that's right. <laughs> right. Or make up words like trans misogyny. What, what is this now? I mean, I can guess what it is, but like I have it's people when you. When you direct misogyny at a trans woman, but misogyny, the word misogyny is rooted in the word gyne, G-Y-N, which is woman, like female. Right. You know, like, you can't have misogyny unless it's directed at a female. And trans misogyny you, is not real. Just throw in a few adjectives and suddenly you got a new word. Right. But that, right. that's ridiculous because in their minds right trans women are women correct well so wouldn't i mean wouldn't it just they be say that but they don't actually believe it <laughs> again it goes back to the they don't want to say things to hurt anyone's feelings right. so they play along they don't want to say things yep so they play along nobody actually believes that you can change your sex you know you, they, they like to say that your genitals are not sexed one way or another but your brains definitely are for now, some how does that work which is why, and, and they admit that too. Yeah, there's right. there's female brain and male brain. It furthers their narrative. It's the, do, so. the the but brain thing. Jive with the whole genital thing, like if your brain is sexed, then so are your genitals, and your DNA doesn't change from your genitals to your brain. Like maybe they're just, the same. Maybe we just need to go back to what male and female literally actually mean. You know, like if you have. And like in electrical, two electrical parts, one male and one's female, it's because the male part goes into the female part. Maybe we should just go back to that and they won't be so pissed anymore. Like That's all it is, though. It seems like they're more mad at uh, what people perceive as gender roles than they are at gender. Right. That's, that's exactly it. And that's what radical feminists really try to push. And I, I diverge from radical feminists in only a couple of ways on this, but... Radical feminists hold that gender is a social construct that changes from time, like from age to age and culture to culture. So in our culture, the gen, and, it, and it relates to gender stereotypes. So, you know, these are the clothes that girls wear and that women wear, and these are the things that they play with, and these are the jobs that they have, and these are the things that are associated with women, makeup and high heels and you know, these very gendered things, you know, mm -hmm. or with boys, that boys are more rough and which they are, but um, that they like trucks and they like to do mechanical work and that they want to be engineers and they have to play sports and, you know, all of these very stereotyped things. Mm -hmm. And we used to call those non-conforming crossovers Tom girl or tomboys. And I, I don't know what the equivalent is for boys. But that's what we used to call everybody. And some of, those, yeah, pussies. some of those women would end up being lesbians and some of those boys would end up being gay men. Sure. And everybody was fine, you know? And the weirdos were in theater and punk bands and, hey. you know, and the like. Golly, taking shots in here. <laughs> it's fine, I was a weirdo. So, and then in, 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 in other cultures, it's very different. You know, there are some African cultures where women are the leaders and women make the decisions and women are the homeowners and only women are allowed to vote. And, you know, those kind of, so it's, a, it's different there. It's different in China. It's different in anywhere, you know. And then if we expand the ages, of course, those roles change too. And so that's what that's what is perceived as gender, the masculine, what's assigned as masculine and what's assigned as feminine. And then the sex is, of course, your material biological reality of being male or female. And the words associated with that are man and woman because uh, an adult human male is a man. 
a juvenile human male is a boy and vice versa for women and girl. Just like, I, I think I've mentioned this before, just like an adult male um, bovine is a bull. You know, there's that classification name. It's a classification. It's not your feeling. <laughs> it's based sure. on the gametes that your body produces to propagate the species. Nothing more, nothing less. And however you present that to the world is called your personality. It's not mm -hmm. called gender. Thanks. It's your personality. But see, that's it. Yeah, and but the thing is, so many people don't have that. So many people don't have personality that like they're. And I don't say that to be like mean. I say that genuinely. Like most people, they attach their identity to some sort of activity or some sort of uh, you know back to group think. They attach it to whatever group they're with, um, who they vote for, things like that. There's nothing they don't do anything to separate themselves um, as individuals. So they feel like they have to, oh, well, if I change my gender, then, you know, I will suddenly blossom into this beautiful butterfly of individual that, you know, I wasn't able to achieve before. But it really just goes back to, no, you just don't have anything. Like, you just don't have any personality. Right, and I think that so much of that has happened. I mean, look how fast this whole movement has happened. We've never seen a movement go this quickly and grasp hold of society this fast and this fiercely in terms of politics. I mean, every, every segment of culture is so infused with this identity idea. And look at what has also transpired in that same amount of time, how prolific the internet is or has become. I mean, when, we, when I was in high school, 1998 is when my high school got the internet. Whoa. You know, it, was just, it was just baby. Yeah. I graduated in 99. Um, and I, don't, I don't think my school had the internet when I graduated. Yeah, we had just gotten the internet and it was like, Super duper slow. I mean, I wanted to download pictures of Leonardo DiCaprio and it took an hour and a half <laughs> to do one, you know, and I printed out on one of those printers, those laser printers. That was just after Titanic. Yep, it was totally Titanic. Yeah, I was about to say that was just after Titanic and right before Catch Me If You Can. Yep, and, and since then, Nobody has been encouraged to develop their personalities. That's Nobody right. has been encouraged to go outside. They let know. their entertainment um, develop their personality for them. Yep, their entertainment and then what the powers that be said they should think. Mm -hmm. We stopped teaching children. So in, in the early years up through 12th grade, 17, 18 years old, we're teaching children how to learn. And after that, children should be learning and young adults should be learning how to think. And we're not teaching anybody how to think anymore. And we're barely teaching anybody how to learn. Yeah, because we're, we're, we're focused on learning specific things. It's you have to learn X so that way you can pass this test later on in the year. It has nothing right. to do with teaching the ability to learn and encouraging right. um, kids specifically to think. and come to conclusions themselves that make sense because it's yep. spoon fed to them. You know, you have these teachers that basically just read off of a PowerPoint and you know, I had a lot of teachers hand us the PowerPoint uh, slides that way we could follow along as they just read off of the PowerPoint as opposed to genuinely helping us uh, learn how to study, learn how to, um, you know, find the information for ourselves, instilling, a desire to learn, instilling a desire to critically think, like that's gone. It's, you know. Right. You know why? The teachers are bored. That's why. It's and that. If the teachers are bored, the kids are going to be bored. It's that, and we've been teaching the exact same way for hundreds of years. You know, I mean, I, the Amer especially the American school system. You, I, you know, you can't read a book in the past that talks about kids in school. Um, that you know, it doesn't differentiate at all. You have a teacher. You have a room full of kids. You have a whiteboard or a chalkboard and you know the teacher's just lecturing and then that's it there's, there's no 
hands-on learning. You know, you'll have a you'll have one project a year or something like that in classes. You know, you're, you're you show off your creativity and you know a whole bunch of BS. But it's you pretty much just copy a template of the previous people who had done the same report and put it together, and you're done. There's no desire to get better, desire to grow and strengthen that muscle that is your brain. Right. Yeah, we're still teaching post-industrial revolution style, you know, where we had to... You throw them in the factory? The, yep, throw them, throw them in, the, in, in the factory, but you got to put them in the school first now, though, because of child labor laws, obviously. Right. Which, don't the get school. me wrong, child labor laws are really great. You shouldn't be forcing children to go to work like that. Um, but to throw them into this other factory where you're just putting propaganda in their ears. I mean, that's all it is anymore. It's just propaganda. All the money that gets taken in for these special referendums for equity measures and um, uh, restorative justice and all of these in these social justice endeavors that are being pumped into schools, it's like, why don't you just put some effort into teaching children? Like activate their minds and their bodies in learning and you guaranteed won't have these behavior problems that we have in schools. Force the parents to be involved. And I guarantee you we won't have yeah. these problems, except save for the, you know, the random few parents who really just don't give a crap. And yeah. just need a nanny for the whole day long that, That's that right. the rest right. of the community pays for. And a lot of it is too, like, you know, you have the, the parents that both, they all work and everything like that. So, I mean, mm -hmm. which I get, but at the same time, like you have to put pressure on them to be involved. Like right. it's not fair. Cause it's not fair to the kid. They're no, not at all. There's, and there's a difference between parents who are, who are busy and probably have a desire to be more involved. They just don't have the time than there is with parents who have all the time in the world, but they're too busy on fucking Instagram or Snapchat to, you know, know what their kid's doing. Right. And we've got this mindset now, too, that leftist mindset of that it's equity of outcome that matters as opposed right. to equity That's of opportunity. Impossible. It's literally it's, impossible. To it is literally impossible because this child learns differently than this child and this child and this child and this child. They all have the same opportunities to learn, but they are not all going to arrive at the same place or even at the same time. Right. Yeah. You know? That's what I was about to say. And that's, I mean, that's one of my biggest problems with public education is lumping children into classes by age. And we talked about that briefly when we were talking about the Just touched on it. Yeah. Putting kids together all in the same age group doesn't make any sense. You know, the, way I, the way I teach my children at home, all of the children are learning the same topic but they're each learning it at a different level. But they're learning it together. And then by the time the younger ones get to where the older ones are, they're already gonna have had learned that a couple of times. And they're mm. gonna have a lot easier time learning the more complicated things by the time they get to the more jam-packed, informative stuff about that particular topic, you know? And that's the way classrooms used to be. You know, we, we look at the, the one room schoolhouse ideal where you had all of these children of all different ages together right. and and the younger years might be doing something that's slightly different than the older years but they were all learning the same thing together and they were all learning that social interaction together and how to be a community together and that's not the way things are now not by a long shot except for maybe if you go out into very rural school districts but in urban settings where most of america's children are going to school I mean, I don't have a stat on that, but it's a good guess. You know, most of America's children in these condensed urban school districts, I mean, my daughter's class is 500 people. That's how many kids were in my entire school, K to 12. Wow, what? Yeah, we had 500 in my graduating class. We, not That's me. Crazy. We had 141 kids in my graduating class. My daughter has 500 kids in her class. Wow. I mean, what, that's what, insane. How is that possible? What class is it? No, it's not one class, like the graduating class, not all so 500 and oh, yeah, you have one teacher to 500 kids. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, it's her graduating class is, okay. is 500 kids and that's insane. It's completely insane and they're all the same age 
and they're all expected to join the workforce in the same way, you know, and it's just this, it's just this cycle of pumping. Pump, yeah, I was about to say pumping them out. And I literally haven't even considered that um, before as, as, you know, detrimental to the children. I had to consider that, but it, it doesn't make sense. Well, yeah, they're, they're just numbers. All the all kids are are numbers for test scores. That way the school district can get more money and more funding. That's the only incentive to, you know, educate them is to, you know, ultimately get more state funding. My, uh, my district growing up was horrible with that. Like, there could be nine inches of snow on the ground and they would have school because if they closed too many days, they wouldn't get funding. For mm -hmm. They would, you know, they would lose some, some aspect of their funding and, and they, so they refused to close. So we'd go to school in blizzards, literally. That's and, the way it is here. And last year they had the St. Paul school district had their ass totally handed to them because right. we had a, we had a forecasted blizzard coming. They didn't cancel school the night before because the weather wasn't a certain, didn't meet a certain parameter by like six o'clock or by six o'clock in the morning or something. But it was a forecasted event, like massive weather event. We got 20 something inches of snow and kids were being sent home on school buses early. They had children not being picked up from school or from school buses until midnight that night. What? Because they didn't want to miss that school day. And children don't matter. Like they, they like to pretend that kids matter, but they don't. And yes, I'm not, I'm not putting this on teachers at all because there are some shit teachers and there are some real gem teachers. And I Absolutely. know and love some amazing teachers. Have them as friends, have them as mentors. But it's the system as a whole. It's the, the bureaucratic admin building that sits in their cushy air conditioning while children are sweltering at the end of the school year with no air conditioning. You know, it, it's all of these things. They say we care about children, but they really don't. They care about the money and they care about the numbers. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And unfortunately, that's, really that, it. that's a lot of things. And that's why that's probably the biggest reason why I say I know capitalism isn't perfect. Because mm -hmm. that happens a lot. Well, that's a state. That's a state-ran thing, though. That's the so. That's not capitalism. That's right. socialism. That is socialism. That is because it's <laughs> the government is in charge of the public education system. It's not private right. schools. Private schools is the cap is the free market way. Mm -hmm. Look at you guys. Okay. <laughs> okay. And you know, I I don't want to come off as though I'm condemning parents for either their, their decision to send their children to public school for, what, for whatever reason. If you, there are two parents working, if you just feel like you can't handle homeschooling or you can't pay for private school, I don't begrudge a parent of that decision. But I do hope that parents are being involved in this because if you're not, you're gonna have just this culturally indoctrinated automaton for a child. Or at least thinking about it. Issue. Right, right. Or at least thinking about it. I know I've got friends who work who are like, I would love to homeschool my kid. Okay, you can. If you, if you want help, if you really are determined to do it, I'll help you understand how you can do it. Because I know working parents who homeschool their children, you know, and it's just a matter of how, what, what kind of balance life you want to have right. to, to do it, you know. You got you to gotta really want to do it. So it's and not, a, a, I've had a lot of people get pissed off at me because they feel judged. And I'm like, I'm not judging your, you, I am judging the whole system. I'm judging the institution that everybody has been made to believe they have to rely on to get their children educated. And in this day and age with the internet, I don't even see the reason for a public school anymore. Honestly. Don't. That's just my two cents. Well, that's, and the, that's going full circle. That's one of those things that you can't really say. You can't really go outside of, you know, oh, but teachers are heroes and all that, you know, nonsense and virtue signaling. It's like you can't go away from the, from that narrative and basically say like, oh no, it's a waste. Like we have all of the resources right now to where your kid can, learn just as much, if not more, by not going into a building eight hours a day and being told to 
sit and act quiet and behave just like every other person. Right. You know, so, but it's scary. I mean, when it's been done a certain way for so long, you you just sort of fall into it. Just what you were just talking about reminded me of a quote. I said, I think, I think it was uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson said, the first two years of your life, you're taught, you're taught how to walk and talk and the rest of your life, you're taught to shut up and sit down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He said that the other day. That is so true. I was like, wow, like, that's crazy. Yeah. No, I mean, but it's spot on. Like you're encouraged to, okay, get up, start walking. You know, oh, I can't wait for the baby to start talking. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, sit down, shut up, stop, stop doing that. Stop doing this thing that I was really excited for you to do. (laughs) You know, and just be like every other kid. Which again goes back to the whole individualism versus collectivism thing. You know, we're put in a system to where we are taught to act just like every other person. So maybe that go, maybe that plays a huge role in our society, like in how we interact with one another because well, we've been we've trained. Tribalism and we've like mutated it, I think, you know, because we are very tribalistic people. Yes. We like our little groups. We like to be with the people who value the things we value. You know, I mean, that's why here in St. Paul, there's, there's the two main religions in St. Paul are Catholicism and Judaism. And the Jews all cloister together and they all walk to their Sabbath services at the temple. Like they all live and breathe and work together in their community. And Catholics do it here. The Somali immigrants do it here. You know, they, they've got their own taxi services that they all only use and They've got their high-rise apartments that they all live in. Like, it's just people are, by nature, very tribalistic. But we have this notion as a society now that the whole society has to be one big tribe of the same values and the same thought. And that's ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous, especially when we're talking how many millions of people in the United States or, or in Western civilization, you know? And let me ask you, is it working? No. No, no, no. Multiculturalism I mean, does I'm not work. I'm sorry. I wasn't, I wasn't clear on what I was asking. Like, St. Paul having those different tribes, living amongst each other, though, and just keeping to themselves and doing what they want, is that working there? So, uh, yes and no. Yes oh, okay. and no, because we've got that, the, we've got the groupthink mindset in St. Paul. You know, we've got the St. Paul DFL running everything. And the St. Paul DFL trying to run the state DFL and run the whole works, you know, they, because they're just so singularly minded on what their values are that they think that everybody should have them. Right. And it just, it, so in some ways it works and in some ways that it doesn't. The, the larger collective of the city doesn't work. Because their values are the best. Right, because their values are the best and you're a shit person. I'm right and you're Hitler. I can throw a rock in my neighborhood and hit Every single house around me is a leftist. Every one of them. You know, so I've got it. Are you outcasted? Oh my God. I've had yeah. blasts in front of my house where my children play. Just my fence line all along the sidewalk where my children have been known to play barefoot in the summertime because of how outspoken I am about certain issues. And you lambasted publicly when I tried to run for school board and being threatened and being told I should be raped by somebody who used to walk in front of my house all the time and visits a neighbor just down the street. You know, I mean, it's, it's insane what the lengths that they go to. But I go on my walks in the morning and there's like five houses that have Republican yard signs up for the election right now. And I'm like, there's, there's some people. Okay, I, I have friends. But then I, I should not go to mass. We go to mass and we go to a really orthodox Catholic church and we go to mass and there are people there who are, we might not agree on everything, but we have very similar values and it, and it does, it works for the Jews. It works for the Catholics. It works for the Somali people. It works for, you know, the Hmong people. We've got Hmong village over here and it works in your small group, but as the wider society, it doesn't. And that's, that's, 
that's why socialism doesn't work. Because it works in your family. It works in your small society, like your small tribe. Yeah, a group of people who already work. agree. Right. It doesn't work on the whole because this group doesn't agree with this group, doesn't agree with this group, doesn't agree with this group. Right. I mean, you... you why they point to the Nordic model. You know, people like Bernie Sanders point to the, you know, the Nordic model. Well, the Nord... Like, all those countries are very homogenous, you know? None of them... Uh, think that racism only applies to certain groups of people. You know what I mean? Like there are and certain they're not even socialists either. They're high tax capitalist societies. Right, but those are the places that get used and so right. my whole point is, yeah, they all have like the same like roughly the same ideals. They have roughly the same you know, they agree on many things just culture wise. Whereas right. here obviously, you know, um we have so many people that can't get behind the idea that, you know, you are what you're born as, you know what I mean? Like we can't even agree about how sex works. So how are we supposed to, as a society, how, do, how does anyone expect all of us to jump on board something like socialism where, you know, we all have to come into agreement that certain systems are worth having, you know, like uh, universal health, care that's that's something everyone has to agree on like you know we again we should be on mars right now but yet here we are we're people are figuring out like what sex they can and can't be it's upside down everything is upside down the twilight zone it's it's just it's you know um it's being sloppy with being sloppy with our priorities that's what it is we could be doing so much more actually productive or actually mm -hmm. progressive things um, than the social like making sure women in Saudi Arabia aren't getting their heads cut off for speaking Absolutely. like we could do that or <laughs> you know I don't know yep well we didn't even touch on John McCain he died yeah he died and he and 10 years ago Huffington Post wrote, wrote an article an op-ed piece and published it that said that he was a white supremacist. So, and, and now those same outlets are praising the guy. So I find that funny. That was the only thing I really wanted to say about it. Yeah, I said rip and made a sad face. And I think that we can appreciate the good things that he did in the world and also recognize that he's a warmonger. Yep. absolutely. Like we can do both of those things. And I don't understand why people are like, no, you can't. He's just a warmonger, you know? Yeah. And this is the way I like to look at certain things. Like, he wasn't a bad person. He was a product of his generation's last society, mm -hmm. you know? And he did a lot of great things, and he had a lot of not-so-great ideas, but he wasn't a bad person. Like picking and Sarah Palin as his running mate. <laughs> <clears throat> I think yeah. he should be punished for that eternally, for putting her in the... International spotlight. I'm sure he'll spend many lengths of time in purgatory over that one. Yep, just figure Don't out. Doubt. Huh. All right. So your headache's probably killing you. Thanks for doing the show yeah, today. It's, it's getting me. I'm like worried that my eyes are watering now and my mascara is going to go. No, you look good. But um, so let's plug real quick and then get out of here. Good Sunday show. Yeah, yeah good Sunday. Um, it was. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, we're on uh, Twitter. Come follow us. Um, it is at Illusions, D-E-S-T-R-1. Yep. You need to just post that in the on the Facebook page. I have. I, oh, I try to oh, okay. every so often. Uh, very nice. Oh, yeah. You do post, like, things that you tweet specifically to Bernie Sanders. Yes, because that's <laughs> And then I am at Garrett Vassell, G-A-R-R-E-T-T-V-A-S-C-I-L. Also, follow us on Instagram, at Illusions Destroyed. And I'm at Tasha Rose Radmam, R-A-D-M-A-M, on Twitter. And I'm on Instagram at Radical Mothering and my Radical Mothering Facebook page and YouTube. Real quick, I just wanted to get this in there. Uh, you know talking about like how you can recognize someone's good and bad. Michael Jordan was arguably the best basketball player of all time, but he got his dad killed. So 
you see, it's one of those yep. things where it's like, you know, you can recognize yes. both. He had, he had a crippling gambling problem. And it got and his dad I just, killed. I just heard recently, and I don't, I don't want to keep you on this very long, but I just heard recently that there's a theory, I guess you could call it a conspiracy theory, that he left the NBA for two years to play baseball because of his gambling problem. Yeah. Because the NBA was basically like... David Stern yeah, forced him out. Away for a while. Yeah, David yeah. Stern forced him out. He never, never knew that until maybe a year ago. Yeah, yeah. He, is, he gets his dad killed. You think, oh, wow, my dad died. Well, I'm the best basketball player in the world. I've just won three championships in a row. Eh, he would probably want me to quit that and play baseball. <laughs> oh, anyway. Stupid. But yes, so thank you for joining us, Tasha, and please feel better. And thank you, yeah, viewers. Work on it. No, I and, think it uh, froze I guess, on us. Uh, we'll see everybody Tuesday. Yeah, we shall. our double digit show. Woo! Ten! Celebration. All right. One zero. I hope it didn't freeze on us, but we'll see. Goodbye, world. Goodbye. Bye.